Welcome to Ginspired, brought to you by theginshop.ca. This podcast will take you on a journey into the world of gin, where you'll experience this versatile spirit in ways you never thought possible. Now the host of Ginspired, Heather E. Wilson. Welcome, gin enthusiasts, to a tale as rich and flavorful as the notes of a Scottish fiddle tune. Picture the misty landscapes of Loch Ness, where the gale of fiddle medley composed by Doogie MacLean first echoed through the air as a commissioned piece for the Loch Ness Visitor Centre. This enchanting tune later found its way into the epic soundtrack of the Lasso Mohicans, resonating globally with pipe bands and fiddlers alike. Now imagine translating the essence of the gale into a unique libation. Behold, the Gale Signature Scottish Gin. Crafted with meticulous care, this spirit undergoes a five-fold distillation from malted barley, embracing the heritage of Scottish distilling traditions. A medley of traditional botanicals with a subtle kiss of Scottish heather dances within each sip. The result? A gin with a light citrus bouquet gracefully giving way to juniper, cardamom, and a warm finish. As we explore the alchemy behind this elixir, remember the haunting melodies of the gale that inspired this exceptional gin. Join me on this journey as we unveil the secrets, celebrate the artistry, and savor the symphony of flavors that is the gale signature Scottish gin. Slanchaba. Now that we've immersed ourselves in the harmonious story behind the gale signature Scottish gin, it's time to deepen our understanding with a true affectionado, and the driving force behind this exceptional spirit. Gin fans, please welcome the maestro himself, the orchestrator of flavor, the CEO of the Gale Signature Gin, Nigel Large. Nigel's journey in the world of spirits is as captivating as the fiddle tunes that inspired this gin. With a passion for craftsmanship and a commitment to quality, Nigel has steered the gale toward becoming a celebrated name in the realm of Scottish distillation. So grab your favorite glass, whether it's neat, over ice, or mixed in a refreshing G&T, as we embark on a spirited conversation with Nigel Large. Learn about the intricate process of distillation, the tales behind the botanical blend, and the vision that makes the gale a true symphony for the senses. Nigel, welcome to the show. Okay, thank you. So first of all, let's shake things up a bit and share our favorite cocktails featuring the Gale Signature Scottish Gin. So Nigel, you get to go first. What are you drinking? Well, I suspect it's going to be the same as yours, but I decided for a change that I was going to have the ruin because I haven't had it for a few years from actually when we first did our cocktail list. And I just thought, well, yeah, why don't I do something? And, of course, the maple has a little bit of a connection to where you're based. So I thought, well, the two go together. So here's to mine, and it's called The Ruin, and it's a mixture of basically the gale, maple syrup, orange bitters, and Angostura's bitters is the best way of describing them, with a lump of ice and just slowly sip it. Wow, you did steal the same thing that I'm <laughs> having. It is so delicious. The maple syrup, wow, like, it just goes so so well with the Gale Gin. Like, I was really pleasantly surprised, I have to say.
Now that our glasses are filled with the magic of the gale, let's dive into the heart of this spirited journey as Nigel and I sit down for an exclusive interview about the craft, passion, and symphony of flavors that define the gale signature Scottish gin. So first off, Nigel, I'd love, love, love if you could share the story behind the inception of the gale signature gin. Like what exactly inspired you to use the Gale song in the first place. Like, so how did that journey all begin? Well, it actually didn't really start that way around. It started with the spirit. <laughs> mm, interesting. <laughs> well, I have always been in the drinks industry all my life. And when I decided that we would join with the gin explosion, if you like, I looked around the market and I thought, well, these people are basically doing all things the same. At the time, I had no concept of where I was going to go with this. But, but, but anyway, after a lot of things, I thought, well, I live in Scotland. We used malted barley before beer, other spirits and things like that. Nobody's using it for gin. And well, there are some people that use barley, but not malted barley. So I just thought, well, I got a friend of mine to experiment with some distilling. And he came up with it. And I thought, well, that makes us different. It makes us stand out because basically there is one other, but we are the only person now using malted barley to make our white spirit for gin. Within the UK, I couldn't comment about other parts of the world. So I thought, well, that makes us different. And there are so many gins. I mean, in Scotland alone, there are over a thousand gins that purport to be Scottish. And then within the UK, there are probably 12,000 gins or whatever that figure is. <laughs> probably, yes. <laughs> so the thing was, how do you make yourself different? I'm an ex-multiple retail by background. And I thought we've just got to have something that makes us different, gives us a reason in a bottle as a crowded market to stand out. And this guy could do it for me. Our botanicals are relatively the same with the exception of the heather. And the reason we picked heather is it's not unique to Scotland, but we have plenty of it. But equally as well, we decided that we would actually, rather than distill it in, we would experiment with just macerating, soaking it. In the end, we decided that 24 hours was enough and it's a relatively small quantity. But what it does do, when you filter that out, it leaves a little bit of colour in the liquid. Yes. So just to explain that where people say, where does the colour come from? So then I had this and I thought, well, yeah, we are. My drinks background said we need to produce the cleanest, the best spirit we can within a commercial thing. So we actually ended up distilling five times. Most spirit, unless it says otherwise, is normally distilled twice, maybe three times, but generally it's only twice. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I had a pretty high quality spirit. I got slightly different botanicals or one in particular. And then I sat back and then now what do I call it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. That is actually the truth about how it came about. Then the actual naming or picking on the gale, I was looking for something that encompassed the whole of Scotland. And I have a very good friend of mine who's my business partner who wrote a song, not a tune, he wrote a song called Caledonia. Right. And I thought, well, that will fit. So I went and asked, can we use uh, Caledonia? And the answer was a very strong no. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, oh, okay. Anyway, chatting about a few weeks later, well, he popped by. He said, I was thinking about what you said and suddenly thought, why don't we use the gale? I knew about the gale and I knew Doogie had written it, mm -hmm. but I didn't know it had been written for a bit of Scotland. So I knew about the film and actually the biggest part is when the Royal Scots Dragoon Girls do it on the pipes and drums. Right. And I knew those two bits, but I didn't know it had been written for a bit of Scotland. So when he told me that, I thought, okay, yeah. So... I then Googled it and I actually thought he's possibly right because the gale is four times bigger than Caledonia. 
Mm. And I had to go and ask him why, because at home here, Caledonia right. would be the thing everybody knows about. Right. But principally, it is obviously to do with the film Last of the Mohicans, which it became the iconic bit of music in. Yes. But actually, the biggest part is when the Royal Scots Dragoon Guards did it on the pipes and drums, closing the Edinburgh Military to two in 2000. Oh. And then they put it on their, the Royal Scots produced a CD called Highland Cathedral, and it's one of the biggest tunes on that. Oh. Along with Highland Cathedral, obviously. Right. So I thought, okay. And to put that into context, in a sense, we can have sort of links to, on social media, 40 million hits. When I looked up Caledonia, it was 13. So from the <laughs> point of view, if you have aspirations that you might be able to sell out with of Scotland, then you use something that's got the greatest platform. Right. And that's how the Gale came about, really. And we launched in 2019 and did nothing for two years. Oh, no. <laughs> like the rest of the world. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Okay, well, that's quite the story, quite the journey. Mm. Is there anything else that you can share maybe about the craftsmanship and that why five times? Like, that is unique in itself. Like, yeah. why five times distillation? Well, look, I mean, there are other people that do. There are some French, not necessarily in gin. Actually, there was mm. one, but they've stopped. I mean, the reason for doing it is you're making a much smoother spirit the whole time. I'm sure most of your listeners will be aware that when they taste spirit neat, you'll get a warm feeling as well as a burn feeling on their throat. Yeah. And that's because there are still high levels of impurity within right. it. So by distilling five times and taking out more of those impurities, hopefully the majority of people, you should just get the warm feeling. You won't get that little burn feeling. That's when you're tasting it neat. Right. Uh, before you decide what you're going to put, put with it. And then that obviously was a criteria because it means that we can be also drunk as a sipping gym. Right. Some people would drink a dram of whiskey. You could drink it neat with just a lump of ice, as I said. So it was trying to make sure that you're making you know, as good a product as you potentially can. There are some people, they don't let it long. I mean, I've seen some French vodkas that are distilled eight times. I've never tasted it, but I have seen it. But I don't think they're on the market anymore. I mean, it's like everything. It's getting that fine line between actually what you can achieve, at a, the best spirit you can achieve at a reasonable price. Right, right. Okay. So let's talk about cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> now, we both just shared the ruin, but yeah. are there other kind of signature cocktails or combinations that you would recommend listeners try, you personally enjoy? Yeah. I think there's about seven on our website, right. which give roughly an outline. The one I like just because of the name is one called Blowing a Gale. Because obviously the terminology and other things. And it is, again, it's quite a refreshing cocktail. But as for things like Valentine's Day and things, there's one called Lucine Gold Down, which is actually quite a well-known cocktail. Mm -hmm. But the gale goes quite well with it. Okay. All right. And it has a little bit of pinky color, so. Of course, very <laughs> romantic, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so would you say, like, I know you mentioned having it neat, and I've definitely yeah. tried that, and it is really great neat would you say as a kind of a standard is it best to just do it neat or is it like what would be your kind of like tonic soda water like what would be your go-to kind of mix i guess for me probably one of the mediterranean light tonics okay. good. obviously there is a well-known brand but some quite a lot of other brands that are using the same similar mm -hmm. recipe anyway and then if somebody's not sure whether they've got a sweet tooth or more spicy tooth then actually ginger ale goes well with it Ooh. So with tonic water and ginger ale, I would always garnish it, as we have done with this cocktail, with a bit of orange. Right. If people have a very sweet tooth, but this would be as perhaps a longer drink or in a taller glass, mm -hmm. it goes very well with cream soda. 
Oh, wow. But you would have that as a longer drink mm-hmm. because the creaminess of the cream soda marries in with the creaminess coming from the malted barley. So it does make it very sweet. So in that case, I would garnish that with a bit of grapefruit because grapefruit's slightly more acidic and mm-hmm. therefore it helps just balance the drink quite nicely. So, wow. I can't yeah. say I've ever had cream soda with a gin before. <laughs> have it in a tall tumbler, lots of ice, cream soda and as I say a bit of grapefruit and I have to say having spent quite a number of years in the wine trade I would never have it because normally we're very rude about sweet drinks and things like that (laughs) (laughs) but and it was a customer that suggested it and I thought okay so I I bought can tested it and actually thought you've got a point (laughs) Hmm. so you know so it is I know that some elderflower cordial will go quite well with it but it is up to the consumer and I would always ask the consumer to actually taste it neat first and decide what they think would go with it because that way they will enjoy it the best absolutely and that's ultimately how I approach any gin too I always try it neat always 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 so yeah I'm going to try the cream soda thing not that that's normally would be normally not yeah, yeah. a sweet cocktail kind of person, but now you've got my curiosity is peaked. I have to try this now. <laughs> you can see, I mean, it may not be your drink, but you could yeah. see how it would work. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. I'm getting some cream soda. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So as the CEO of the Gale Signature Gin, you likely have valuable insights into the gin industry, especially with your background. So how have you seen the gin landscape kind of evolve and what trends or changes do you anticipate coming in the future? If you can, you know, have a little crystal ball there. The UK, we've just seen such a huge explosion of gin, which the rest of the world is basically now following. At some point, it's got to plateau. So I don't know when that will be, but it will be sometime in the future. That's part of my crystal ball. (laughs) And at the moment, there are an awful lot of gins that are going out onto the market that I would call forgetting the botanicals. They're truly flavoured gins. They're putting things like violet and the colour coordinations, which again, some of that same perhaps of the cocktail market and things like that. But like all things that go up rapidly, those are the ones that will probably come down rapidly because they are purely just a fashion statement to a large degree. So my view is so long as we stick to doing what we're doing, although we're not traditional, we are sort of traditional, if you follow me. We're not looking for the explosive growth overnight. We're looking for long, consistent growth throughout the world. Hopefully that should maintain, even if the market starts to cool a bit, and even if you know all the flavoured things drop, there will still be a market for traditional gins. And if you've got a good product and the right story to go with that product, and in our case, we've perhaps got two, because yeah. again, I'm a bit of a heathen. The botanical side, I know we've mentioned our heather, but the rest of our botanicals are relatively standard. A lot of us use them either more, less, maybe not all of them, you know, all the various combinations. So basically every gin producer is to a large degree talking the same thing, different, slightly different stories. Yeah. Okay. So many successful brands thrive on community engagement And I know that during COVID, maybe wasn't so easy. So how do you connect with your community of gin enthusiasts now? And what role are they playing in shaping the brand? The way we sort of at the moment have been engaging is actually doing sort of public tastings when there's been event in places and building it that way. And partly when we launched, our website wasn't as strong, although this year it's actually picked up dramatically. But we were sort of too close to when COVID started for us to have really picked up enough traction. If we'd been established maybe 18 months beforehand, people would have known of the drink, they'd have looked at the website and it would have spread perhaps a bit quicker that year. That seems to perhaps only be kicking in a bit this year. As I say, we're talking to yourselves Mm -hmm. and we would look to do other things like this there. But 
my longer term thing is if we can continue to expand in Canada and obviously out with our bridgehead, then again, we would be looking to try and support in some way or form by doing in-store tastings where allowed. I mean, obviously, there are different controls and different things in different parts of the world. But some of it is it works well on a face because one, the consumer can see that you're passionate, whoever that person is doing it for you, you're passionate about what you do. Right. And also they're able to explain a little bit more depth why we are different and why we're doing what we're doing. Right. Yeah. Well, there's nothing better than actually tasting. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like an in-person tasting, no matter where it is in the world, is always going to be your best way to get some gin enthusiasts who will then purchase your product and then share their love for it. Right. Mm -hmm. As we pause to catch our breath amidst this delightful conversation with Nigel, let's take a quick moment to hear about Ginspired, the ultimate gin cookbook. Stay tuned for more gin-fused ginspiration after this short break. And remember, every sip tells a story. Looking for a little ginspiration in the kitchen? Ginspired, the ultimate gin cookbook, is the first of its kind, showcasing a liquid love for one of the world's most popular spirits, gin. Here you'll discover over 100 gin-tastic food and drink recipes from everyday meals to special occasion treats to happy hour libations. There's never been a better time to eat and drink with gin. The cookbook can be found on Amazon around the world and at most major book retailers. Grab your copy today. Welcome back, gin enthusiasts. I hope you enjoyed that short interlude. Now let's dive into the heart of our podcast, where tales take a twist and laughter flows. It's time for our favorite segment, Gincident Stories. So clink your glasses together and get ready for a hearty laugh as we share memorable moments, unexpected adventures, and perhaps a few spills along the way, all related to our beloved spirit. So without further ado, let's raise our glasses to the Gincident segment, where every mishap becomes a cherished story. So, Nigel, you know I warned you about this segment. (laughs) So, reflecting on your time with the Gale Signature Gin, can you share a particularly memorable, funny, or exciting gin-sident story in the brand's journey that stands out to you? It must have been actually, as we were launching and just before COVID, I actually went to see Doogie McLean in concert. Mm. And I didn't know anything about this. I knew he was my director and everything. We had meetings and I knew he was doing concerts, but I didn't actually think anything else of it. To this day, I still don't quite know where he got the bottle from. But suddenly, about halfway through the concert, he said, well, I think I'm going to play an old fiddle tune of mine, which he doesn't normally or hadn't done for some time. He suddenly got up and he said, well, because it's associated with a gin that I'm also associated with. And he held the bottle up in front of the audience and everything. And then played the gale. Why didn't you tell me that? We could have filmed it or we could have done something. Maybe that's why. Because so I wouldn't say it was funny or anything, but it just caught me totally unawares. And it's probably one of the most memorable things that happened. Because a lot of the other things that happen are evolving. Yeah, they're probably, there's probably lots of funny things every time we do a tasting because either I make a mistake or something mm. happens. So every day is a new story. So there's always something funny happening or interesting. Interesting. Yes, yeah. yes. And that's just part of being a business owner. Well, probably, yes. <laughs> <laughs> really? Like, all right. So looking ahead, what exciting plans or collaborations can we expect from the Gale Signature Gin? Are there any upcoming projects or innovations that you're particularly excited about? 
Be I'm looking at your next door neighbour. I mean, the, the, yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> can say it. It's okay. You can say it. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean Nova Scotia. I mean, we're still looking at Nova Scotia, but we're also looking at the US. And one of the reasons for the US is because, obviously, in a sense, we have connections there, in particular to North Carolina, hmm. because the film Last of the Mohicans was principally filmed there. And also, America has the highest number of marching bands, pipe bands in the world. And we obviously have links to that. But it will still be the same within Canada and it will be the same in other parts of the world. Wherever there are pipe bands, we potentially can build a relationship with them in terms of how we can work together. Because all of those people, if they haven't played it, they will know of the tune because of the way it's gone around the world. And actually, in the next door province to you, Cape Breton, Doogie is actually quite well known. And when I say in Nova Scotia, of which Cape Breton is part of, as you know, it has yes. a strong traditional music connection. And it's an area where I would certainly hope that we should actually have some traction. And in fact, actually, when I was over, when I visited your mm-hmm. island, mm-hmm. I also went into Cape Breton. And my gut tells me when I spoke to any of the store managers or anything, yeah, at the moment, the structures are slightly different and we're getting used to how we might yes. be able to. But in the end, we should get that. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else you'd like to share about anything? Any questions I didn't ask you that you wanted me to? Any final thoughts? As people try it or find us and things, and if they do have questions, normally they can email our website. Depending on the, the volume that comes in, I have to be careful. Normally we can answer within two or three days if people have questions. We will always try to answer them. And also, you know, if they have ideas, talk to us. Some of them probably won't be, we can't follow up for whatever reason. We're always keen to try and learn and people share experiences, you know, share people's when they're enjoying our product. Yeah, absolutely. And I will be posting, you know, the link to your website, link to your cocktails, all that is going to be in the show notes for people. So anyone who's curious to learn more about the Gale Signature Scottish Gin, it will all be in the show notes. And yeah. And there you have it. That concludes our journey through the captivating world of the Gale Signature Scottish Gin. I hope you've enjoyed sipping on these stories, discovering the art of distillation and sharing a little laugh during our Gincident tale. Remember, the adventure doesn't end here. Keep exploring, keep sipping, and join us for the next episode where we uncork more tales, indulge in more flavors, and continue our love affair with all things gin. Be sure to download our gin tasting journal so you can follow along. And until next time, remember, may your glasses be full, your spirits high, and your adventures as smooth as a sip of the Gale Gin. Slunchaba! Thanks for listening to this episode of Ginspired, brought to you by theginshop.ca. If we've ginspired you, let us know by leaving us a comment and a review, or drop us a note at heather at theginshop.ca. We may even read your email or feature your ginspirational story in an upcoming episode. And remember to follow us on social media. Until next time, let the party be ginned.